Live from our super secret studios above Jacques Flower Shop, this is Gerard at Large. Yeah, baby! Good morning, Manchester. Live and local. News, sports, politics, traffic, and weather. Rich isn't afraid to tackle the tough questions. Who told you you can eat my cookies? You talking to me? Yeah, I hear you. You had a question for me. It's all here on the Gerard at Large radio program. Hello? I'm sorry, who'd you say you were? I am your host, Rich Gerard. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Here's Richard. Good morning, Manchester, and to those of you in surrounding towns, welcome to Hour One of Gerard at Large. I am your just ran out of chocolate host, Rich Gerard. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us online at GerardAtLarge.com, and you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Also at Gerard at Large, where we encourage you to like us and to follow us because, <clears throat> well, why not? <laughs> How many times do I have to log in from the same computer before it recognizes that I am not a, uh, I'm not a robot? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's it's already been one of those days, and I think it's going to keep being one of those days. Uh, 606-6762 is our call-in number, and uh, Eric in Manchester is already taking advantage of it. Good morning, Eric. Oh, good morning. Hey, I was at the other meeting. I wasn't planning on being there the whole time, but I, I was, and provided uh, a lot of good chuckles at the end of the meeting. But anyways, a long story short, the uh, uh, girl... Uh, Joe Calabasco was uh, ranting and raving about that new uh, development in Ward 8. Yeah. And uh, I want your opinion on that. And the, uh, he said real quick, he said, oh, yeah, we're gonna, we need that development in town. Even though a lot of people came up, including a guy named Jimmy Rahu, saying, we don't need it, you know? Right. So anyways, he said, uh, we're going we're gonna to get, get that development going. We should be happiest in town, and we won't have to raise the tax cap next year. So if he raises the task up again next year, I'm gonna I'm gonna remind him of that in my three minutes. <laughs> and um, another thing that I'm concerned about is is uh, is election season is coming up, and I haven't seen any announcement of any debates between Joyce Craig and the mayor. I know the mayor's got a lot to lose if he runs a debate, obviously, because you know Joyce might bring up some of her, some of his bad news, and obviously the mayor might want to bring up some of her bad news. So I was wondering if you heard of any debates and what your uh, um, what your uh, chuckles about about the uh, little Joe saying. Oh, we want to raise the task gap is that one of the apartment building goes in. So I'll hang up and listen. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, well, let's take your your last part first. Uh, you know, I know I know Joyce Craig has issued sort of a grand debate challenge. I don't think Ted Gatzis is afraid to debate Joyce Craig. If you recall, last year he wanted to do. A, uh, a, a town hall forum uh, in each ward uh, last year, and she actually refused to do it. She only did it in a few wards, uh, and every ward that she wouldn't debate him in, he did his own uh, his own community forum kind of thing. Uh, so she she uh, uh, <laughs> yeah she she said, oh yeah, well, how about we do something on New Hampshire Public Radio WMUR. Uh, the Jack Heath Show and uh, the Chamber of Commerce. Now, the Chamber of Commerce is a no-brainer. That one happens every election season, so you can bet that there will be the Chamber of Commerce debate. 
Whether or not Gatsis is going to bite and do anything anymore, I don't know. Frankly, I wouldn't do the New Hampshire Public Radio one because that is going to be hostile territory for him. They are not objective at New Hampshire Public Radio. Some people would say the same about me, but they'd never listen to a debate that I've moderated if they're going to say that. Um, and, and maybe they would, but, uh, you know. And WMUR, well, you know, I, I, I got to tell you something. I don't know what's happened over there, but uh, clearly, in, in my never-to-be-humble opinion, as your ever-humble host, there seems to be a, 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 a serious left-leaning slant um, uh, coming out of their political reporting these days. I don't know if it has anything to do with the fact that a- Adam Sexton is married to Amanda Grady, uh, who is a, a big liberal activist on a number of issues, but um, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. What I do know is that Joyce Craig uh, you know, will not uh, come on this show, although we did have a, a splendid interview with her yesterday. Um, but... What the, what's going to happen there? I I really don't know. And so if I were, I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend to advise Ted because you know what's going to happen. Because first of all, Ted does not ever has not ever and probably will never ask me for campaign advice. Uh, anybody who knows Ted Gatsis and how he operates knows that he has a a particularly uh, small and closed group of advisors when it comes to campaigns. And I am not uh, in that small, closed group of advisors. I, I can't think of a time where Ted Gatsis has ever asked me for advice on how to handle something politically or in a campaign. And that's that's going back over a long period of time. But I know if I say something and he follows through and he does it, then he's going to be, uh, you know, accused of being captive of that evil right-wing radio talk show host, Rich Gerard. <laughs> and if he doesn't take whatever advice, then people will be running around saying, oh, obviously Gerard has no, you know, is, is losing his, uh, his political mojo, can't influence the mayor anymore. So it's a, it's a no-win situation for me. But uh, I, I, uh, uh, just the fact that Joyce Craig issued the challenges – I thought was interesting, and it doesn't show me that she's operating necessarily from a position of strength. Because if you're in a position of strength, um, you you don't you don't try to give it away by having debates. Now, maybe in this case you do because the mayor has never been known for his debate prowess. <laughs> he's he's not uh, you know it's not a great forum for him. Uh, but who knows? So there it is. I don't know what's going on beyond that. But uh, um, I'm sure something will happen on the debate scene. Now, in terms of the tax cap and and this South Mammoth Road thing, I'm going to talk to those together. You know, people look at revenue without looking at the expenses. So first, let's take the tax cap thing. You know, Amazon could build... It's 50,000 employee headquarters here in Manchester tomorrow. And it would not generate any more revenue for the city under the tax cap. And people who are out there saying, oh, we have to build these enormous apartment complexes because of the tax cap to generate more revenue either misunderstand 
how the cap works or they're misrepresenting how the cap works to justify their position. And I realize it's a pretty uh, tough statement to make, but it happens to be true because what the tax cap does is it limits the amount of revenue that the city can collect from taxes every year. So if this year the city collected $100 million in taxes, well, let's call it $200 million because that's what it, it, about what it raises. So if last year the city raised, or if this year the city raises $200 million in property taxes, and the Consumer Price Index says that for next year's budget, we can go up 1%. In the amount uh, that the tax cap can go up 1%. What that means is the amount of taxes that can be raised can go up by 1%. So if the tax base goes from 200 million to, uh, if, if the tax base goes from 10 billion to 11 billion overnight, I'm still only going to be allowed to raise 2 million more dollars under. The tax cap. So, and uh, your your scenario there, and the way the tax cap is designed is that if there's any substantial uh, development comes on, if Amazon, for example, were to build its distribution hub here, what you would see in the city of Manchester would be a massive tax rate decrease. You'd still raise the two hundred and two million dollars that were allowed under the cap, but that $202 million would come off of a much larger tax base. So you'd see a significant reduction in taxes for the taxpayer because the bigger tax base means lower tax rate to raise the revenue allowed under the tax cap. Conversely, if a billion dollars disappeared overnight, the city under the tax cap could still increase the amount of property taxes raised, but you would see a significant tax rate increase. You would see a significant tax rate increase because the base went down. So the idea that we have to keep building these things, is, uh, you know, uh, uh, to uh, avoid the tax cap or having to raise the tax cap is just flatly wrong because it doesn't matter what the tax base value is. It doesn't matter what the tax rate is. It doesn't matter what development you do or don't have. All that matters is how much more in in absolute dollars the city can raise under the cap. So if the cap is 200 million bucks and it goes up to, uh, and you have a 1% uh, tax cap increase next year, it can be, you can raise $202 million. It doesn't matter what the tax base is. It doesn't matter how the tax base grows. It doesn't matter what the tax rate is. All that matters is the raw amount of money that can be raised by property taxes. Have I made that clear? So the other problem with this, and the discussion was brought up uh, during that thing on South Mammoth Road, is they're like, oh, yes, this is going to generate an estimated $600,000 a year. In property taxes. Hey, I, I get news for you, folks. Um, <laughs> you're not looking at the expense side of the issue. If 50 kids show up in that apartment complex just to pay for schools, 
that property won't pay for itself. So if 50 kids show up, you're at a break even on schools, and then you still have all of the other municipal services that have to be provided. So when you take a look at these projects, uh, you know, that's why what Keith Hirschman said was, frankly, just I, I, I can't believe it came out of his mouth. You know, when he was talking about the, this development in the South Mammoth Road, he was bragging about how they took 35 acres of commercial industrial land, the kind of land that we set aside 20 years ago so that the kinds of businesses that are here in the city now down in the Milliard, we envisioned those kinds of businesses being up on Hackett Hill. But because this guy wanted to go and build, same developer wanted to go build 150 to 200 townhouses up on Hackett Hill, the city rezoned 35 acres of land from business uses to this high-density rental. And Hirschman says, oh, yes, this is great. It's helping keep my ward residential. Keith, you took 35 acres of land that could have provided jobs and could have provided revenue free and clear of expenses like kids in schools on the tax base. So ultimately, the question becomes: Oh, you you, you can't look at the you can't look at the income side of the equation without looking at the expense side of the equation, which is one of the things I think Jimmy LaHue was driving at. Jimmy LaHue, who'll be our guest in just a few minutes. When he said, you know, before you actually give approval to this, would you please do some impact studies to find out how it's going to affect traffic, police and fire, and oh yeah, schools? You know, (laughs) so the idea that you're going to somehow improve your tax base uh, and improve your tax revenues by building high-density rental housing is not supported, generally speaking, by the facts. Because that kind of housing, housing in general, frankly, doesn't pay for itself. We'll talk about this at the top of the hour. Housing in general doesn't pay for itself. But the housing that pays for itself least is the housing that allows for a high concentration of kids that can completely blow a school straight out of the water. Gerard at large. 